Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Compass Group International, and welcome to my second episode for my affluent clients called the Luxury Expat Lifestyles. And uh, for those of you who are new to this podcast, I created this podcast because I have a number of very affluent clientele uh, that is in, in the process, as we speak right now, of doing their own research and deciding where they want to spend either part-time or full-time outside of North America or in the UK. And I put together these podcasts to help them make the right decisions because in the 20 years of relocating affluent clients abroad and also living overseas myself uh, for the last 20 years, I have a lot to offer and a lot of insights. And I want to save my clients a lot of time and share my insights with them, the pros and cons of each countries and why I've chosen a specific country as my happy place, as my permanent residence, and also what are some of the hurdles and challenges of other foreign countries they're looking at. So welcome to my podcast. Today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the differences between Latin America, more specifically Central America, versus Asia. And then on my next podcast uh, following this, I will talk about the differences of Southern Europe versus Southeast Asia. So if you're not aware of my background, I've been operating and working. Actually, I started Compass Group International, uh, which is a real estate asset management company. Uh, We work uh, for a number of real estate developers throughout Central America, but Really a heartbeat uh, rest in Costa Rica. And we also work with a lot of hotelers and investors in buying and acquiring and managing their hotels for them. So we have a lot of experience. So back in 2002, when I first started Compass Group International, I basically set up shop in Costa Rica. And let me tell you why I did. So the story is, is that I worked in executive management as a wealth manager Uh, for a very, very high profile, one of the largest financial institutions in the world. And there I worked for 13 years living in Newport Beach, so making a wonderful two-hour commute each way, and never took a vacation uh, because as a young executive, I was basically on the fast track uh, to basically I want to be the president of the company. And uh, I love the company that I work for. But one day... I got actually burnt out. And living in Newport Beach, I lived right by the ocean. So I, I was a surfer. I loved to fish. So the ocean was a huge part of my life. And knowing that Costa Rica has some of the best surf in the world, I decided to go down there for a weekend with some friends. Went down there. Long story short, fell in love with the country. Came back, resigned, went back to Costa Rica, hired my first employee, and the rest is history. So... The question is, is that what is it about Latin America that has now changed for me? I'm fast approaching 50 years old. Uh, a lot of, I'm basically in the right demographic of majority of my clients. So my clients are ranging from the early 40s to right around the 60s, mid to late 60s. And the individuals that are listening to this podcast that are my clients are in a financial position that they don't have to work anymore. So they've either accrued a nest egg by 
creating a very successful company that they've sold or they currently still are residing over a company as a founder, a co-owner, a CEO or CFO or COO, and a company still generating a lot of revenue. Uh, but the individuals that listen to this have a net worth, an average net worth between five to 15 million. So this podcast are individuals that are looking to purchase a home with a minimum price of a million dollars and up and have an excess of cash between three to five million dollars and everything in between that. My average purchase price for my clientele is roughly about two and a half million dollars per home, per luxury home. So on the luxury front, Costa Rica has everything offered at the time. And it's very hard. You know, you know, one of the biggest shockers <clears throat> about Costa Rica were, were the beaches. I mean, here I, I basically bought my dream home at the time. Three-story, 3,500-square-foot home, brand-new home in Newport Beach, right next to the harbor and two blocks away from the ocean. And the beach in Newport Beach, if you haven't been there, it's this powdery white sand. It's gorgeous. So it's really hard to find another place like that, especially overseas. And when I was in Costa Rica, one of the first things that shocked me was wow, the beaches here are actually not as nice as Newport Beach. I mean, you heard it right. The majority of the beaches in Costa Rica aren't as nice as Orange County or even up north in Malibu. Those beaches are actually nicer. So that was the first thing that was, that was shocking to me. But one of the things that I loved about Costa Rica was the warm water. I mean, one of the, one of the huge pitfalls of living in Southern California or even Northern California being in the Pacific is the water is so freezing cold. I mean, I love swimming in the ocean, but I like to swim in the ocean when the water is warm, not when it's cold and I always have to wear a wetsuit. So Costa Rica had, you know, had its own version of beautiful beaches, but not comparable to where I lived. And then the other thing that kind of shocked me too is the fact that you really can't own a home right on a beach. So if you look at the homes, like let's say in Newport Beach, you see homes smack right there on the beach. Or if you go to South Bay, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach on a strand, homes are smack right there on the water or on the sand. Or same with Malibu. Where in Costa Rica, uh, the law is that you actually can't build within a certain amount uh, from the water. So you actually, there are restrictions. So there are very few homes that have been grandfathered in a long time ago, and those are few and far between, but majority of the homes are off the beach in quite a distance. So again, that was kind of a shocker. But one thing that gravitated me towards, towards Costa Rica was the small town, small beach cities. Newport Beach, Huntington Beach is a big thriving beach city you know, with a lot of other cities that surround it, like Costa Mesa, Irvine, and, and obviously other beach, other huge cities. But in Costa Rica, when you're looking at, let's say, Guanacaste, which is our northern, the northern region, which is the affluent area or affluent region of Costa Rica, there you have Four Seasons, 
you have a lot of very high-end flagship hotels that in that part of Costa Rica. And also that part of Costa Rica has the best climate. It's not quite as humid as other parts, especially the central Pacific coast of Costa Rica. So when I looked in Guanacaste, spending time in like Hermosa Beach and Playas del Coco and Playa Grande, I mean, yeah, they were gorgeous. Actually, Playa Grande is the most beautiful beach I've been to in Costa Rica. But the problem is, is that you can't own a home on the beach. Everything is quite a distance. But the problem that I had and the problem that arised is, is that when I had a home, I had two homes. I had a triplex in the city in San Jose and then had a beach home. Is The problem was that it just got really boring. I mean, these beach cities have less than 10,000 people. And one of the things that annoyed me the most was going to or seeing the same person every single day. You always have these certain expats that hang out in the same bar talking about the same government conspiracies. And it just kind of gets to you after a while. It gets very annoying that you kind of want to ditch them. But it's hard because it's such a small city and it's hard to basically maneuver and ditch people. That was very annoying, especially for someone like myself. I love my privacy. And in a town like that, everybody knows your business. And I really don't like that. I despise that. And another thing, too, is I thought that being in a small beach city was going to be more peaceful. Uh, I'll have more time to write my book, to do certain things. But I did. Actually, I did have lots of time to do that. But the, the thing is, the silence and the peace was just too much. It was too boring. There were no movie theaters in any of these beach cities. I had to drive 45 minutes north to Liberia. So there wasn't any modern conveniences. Yeah, you have the same restaurants that are, you know, that are okay food. You don't have any really ultra luxury dining, um, nor do you have uh, a nice eclectic food scene. Like if I want to have amazing Japanese food, Chinese food, Korean food, Thai food. It's not there in these beach cities. You really have to go to San Jose. Even in San Jose, you're not going to find great Asian food. But you're going to have great Costa Rican food, which I can only take so much. So what I'm trying to say is, is that the folks that live in the United States and North America, one of the first places that you're thinking about is Latin America. Why? Because it's close. It's in your backyard. You live in California, Baja, California, Mexico is right there. Central America is not too far. If you live in Texas, Costa Rica is literally a two to two and a half hour flight from you. Same with Southern Florida. Costa Rica is two to two and a half hour flight from you. So Latin America is something that everyone's always been familiar with and they've been going there since they're a kid. It's an easy vacation spot. Heading down to Cabo, heading down to Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, or going to the Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, going to Honduras, Roatan. That has always been a choices. But the thing is, is, is in working in all these different countries and working with developers, and Belize is another place that's gorgeous, it all comes down to one factor, is that you are going to get bored. So I want to talk about the type of personality that these type of Latin cities are going to 
satisfy. And that's going to be a very small percentage of you. The individuals that are happy in these small, quaint cities are really the ones that are very introverted. The ones that just don't want to be around anyone at all. The ones that just don't want to talk to anyone. They don't want to see anyone. They completely almost want to be off the grid. Those are the type of individuals that would do very well and thrive in these type of beach cities. But again, is those are few and far between. Because again, is look at the personalities of your average millionaire. Is number one, majority of them are entrepreneurs. They own their own business and they run their own business. And to have that personality of owning your own business and running a successful business, you're constantly making decisions. You're a people person. You like to be around people. And also in addition to that is you don't like to be bored. One of the biggest factors of retirement is being bored. Am I going to be bored? I need to find something to do. That's why so many retirees come out of retirement and come back to work. Well, there's a way and there's a place that allows you to retire, to relax, and also keep you busy. And that place is called Thailand. And that's the majority of these podcasts. I'm here to educate you on Thailand because the ones that are listening to this, my, my, my clients, my future clients, I'm sharing this podcast with you so you have time and I have time to explain this to you in your own terms, in your own time. So we don't have to get tied up on a conference call for an hour or two hours. I want you to listen to these short podcasts that are roughly about 30 minutes long. And then take some time and let it soak in of why Thailand might be a better fit for you. So I left Latin America. I left Latin America about uh, eight years ago and came here to Thailand. And I love Thailand so much to a point that I really wish I didn't waste all that time in Latin America. You know, when I first came to Thailand eight years ago, I came with some friends to film a documentary. And, you know, and again, just like, just like any American, uh, my misconceptions about Thailand were completely wrong uh, when I come to this country. Number one, I thought I needed to speak Thai. And that was a big mistake because everybody in Thailand, in these major cities that retirees live, everyone speaks English, as I mentioned in the first podcast. The other thing, too, is that I really thought Thailand was just filled with a lot of poor people. I thought it was going to be like Tijuana, like some of those border towns in Mexico, just really dirt, just poor and disgusting and dirty. And man, was I wrong. You know, the first time that I set foot in Bangkok, I, I came in, in, a, in a time of the season that I highly recommend, if you have a chance, this is one of the best times to come to Thailand, which is during the holidays. During uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and January, because literally uh, in our version of Upper Manhattan, which is called Prasong or the Chitlom area, there's all the mega malls and all the department stores in our main street, which is kind of like our Madison Square Avenue, our uh, Beverly Hills. It is just line wall to wall with Christmas decorations. It's like Christmas just threw up in Bangkok. I mean, if you're walking around, you'd be like, 
oh my God, am I still in Bangkok? Is this still Thailand? Like for an example, uh, one of the largest mega malls in the world, which is called Central World, uh, here in Ratchaprasong, they every single Christmas or before Christmas, they basically set up uh, this Christmas decoration right in front of the mall. And they have this Christmas tree that's, I think, probably like five stories high. And it will have these lit candy canes and these polar bears. It's just breathtakingly gorgeous. So when I was walking around, I was just absolutely blown away. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This is, this is the, one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever, I've ever been. And, and the other thing, too, is, is that another misconception was, oh, I do like Thai food. I love spicy food, but I don't think I can eat it every single meal. And much to my surprise, some of the best burgers I've ever had is here in Thailand. Some of the best steaks I've ever had is here in Thailand. The meat comes from Australia and New Zealand. Uh, some of the best Japanese food, some of the best Spanish paella I had here in Thailand. Some of the best pizza I've had is here in Thailand, made by actual Italians. You know, in walking around, I was, you know, America always claims to be a huge melting pot, which it is. You have, you know, you have people from all over the world that live, in, that live in the United States, depending on which city you're in. But in Bangkok, it truly is a melting pot. There are people in all walks of life from every Asian country there is that lives here. And then English-speaking countries. There are a boatload of people from Australia, from New Zealand, all over the UK, Southern Europe, Russians, and Americans. I was just really surprised of how many Westerners live in Bangkok and here in Thailand. And I, and I couldn't quite figure out why, because it's so far away. But then when I realized, oh my God, Australia is only about nine hours away, but the UK, a straight shot from, from, from England, from London, is, I don't think it's that far. I, oh, I can't believe it slipped my mind how far is a flight, but the round trip tickets are roughly about 200 to $300. That's why there are so many people from the UK that come here. And then the other thing too was, you know, as a foodie, obviously, I gained so much weight uh, because I was just eating everything in sight. Everything was the best. I, um, you know, some of the best Taiwanese franchises is here. Some of the best, best Japanese restaurants are here. Korean restaurants are here. Uh, there is a section in Bangkok that has some of the best Middle Eastern food there is. And Indian food here is incredible. So as a foodie, it's a foodie's dream. Bangkok, Thailand is considered as one of the premier street cuisines and a premier foodie, uh, foodie cities in the world by far. And I've been to every Asian city and a lot of other countries like in Europe, but nothing beats Bangkok. The food scene here is incredible. And then the lifestyle is coming from obviously a beach area like Newport Beach, you're probably wondering is, well, how come you don't live at the beach? Well, actually, the very first place I lived in, the very first home I bought is actually here in Bangkok. Because, you know, being in New York and visiting New York has its ups and downs. I've had many meetings there and I would visit there. 
And New York definitely has its vibe. As you always hear, when people are from New York and they live there, they never want to leave the place because they absolutely love it. And because New York has its charm. One of the charms is it's a very high-density city, and there are so many communities. And each community, you can, you're within walking distance to a bodega, to restaurants, to farmer's markets. So everything is within walking distance, and you have great public transportation. It's a, it's a city that is always alive, and that's one of the things I love about New York. But one of the things I dislike about New York is how expensive it is, and I hate winter. I, I despise snow. I don't know about you guys. I'd rather it be hot than cold. I'd rather wear shorts and a tank top any day than wear a freaking park or have to layer my clothes or, or have to scrape snow from my windshield. I despise cold weather. The only time I like is when I'm snowboarding. But New York definitely has its harsh weather, has its high real estate prices, high cost of living, high crime, and the people aren't as friendly. You know, people like to say, or New Yorkers like to say, is that just our style? We're very upfront and very forward. Well, you know, coming from a very traditional Asian family with a background that's Japanese and Taiwanese, is that, uh, you know, having good manners is very important in my family. It's, it's important how I was raised. And, and as a show, show of respect, I always show people great manners. I'm very polite. And I always expect the same return. And it's very hard to be in a city when everyone is so rough and always in your face. I just, I despise that. I don't like that. And one of the great things about Thailand is the culture is very different. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Asia, number one, and I'm not making fun of anyone here, but just sometimes people aren't as educated in different ethnic cultures. And I've actually had a question opposed to me several times is, Will, does everyone in Asia speak the same language? And the answer is no. Yes, we may all look alike, you know, short, stocky or skinny, black hair, almond eyes, dark eyes. We may all look the same, but we certainly don't speak the same language. Uh, just in China alone, there's hundreds of different dialects. And here in Thailand, there's many, many different dialects also. So the thing is, we can't communicate with one another. And also, our cultures are very different. I'm Taiwanese and Japanese. Taiwanese and Japanese cultures are different. They're also similar in a sense because Japan uh, basically uh, ruled over Taiwan for almost 100 years. So we, we assimilated a lot of the Japanese culture into our cuisine and also into our day-to-day, -day, basically, culture. But in Thailand, one of the great things about the Thai culture that... It is, or the Thai people are non-confrontational. Yelling at someone in public is considered extremely bad manners. Any sort of hostility shown to somebody is considered bad manners. I speak, I'm a, I'm a trained professional public speaker. And when I'm, when I'm speaking in public or speaking to people, because I speak with such enthusiasm, and I'm very passionate the way I speak, I always have to remind myself, my wife has to remind me too, is I have to tone it down a bit because they might, I may come off as too aggressive. And of which I've learned over time, which is fine. But that's one of the things I love about the Thai culture is that it's non-confrontational. You know, in Thailand, we have a saying or a Thai slogan, and it's been around for, I think, decades. It's Thailand, 
the land of smiles. And it truly is the land of smiles. When I, you know, whether it's in California, Arizona, Florida, Texas, wherever it may be, Nevada, when I'm in the States, I don't see a lot of people smiling. Actually, I see a lot of people that are pretty miserable. Always in a rush. Um, I know of individuals, and maybe some of you, some of you are listening to this podcast as we speak, that are extremely successful, that have accrued, but you've worked very hard for it, enough money for three to four lifetimes, but you are one of the most miserable individuals I have ever met. You have everything imaginable. You have multi-million dollar homes. Uh, you have six-figure cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Bentleys, Rolls Royces. You have your beautiful watches, your Patek Philippe's, your Audemars, and your A. Lang and Genet's. You have every material thing there is, but you're still miserable. And I find more miserable millionaires in America than anywhere else in the world. And why is that? I mean, I can go into length, but, you know, we'll say that for another podcast. But in Thailand, one of the things that I realize is, is that the individuals that are in this category, the one percenters that move to this country, their life is completely different. They're no longer the, uh, the stuck-up a-hole, the self-centered a-hole that is just goes off on people, that's short-tempered, they change. You know why? Because the environment changed them. I've always believed in the saying that you are basically the mirror image of the four people closest to you, four to five people closest to you. I truly believe that. When I see someone that's very successful or even not successful, and, and trust me when I say this is, I don't believe in the amount of money you have in your bank equates to success. And I'll get to that in just a second, especially a quote from Warren Buffett. Is that when I see people that are surrounded by happy people, they're happy individuals themselves. And you may see that yourself. But when you see individuals that are high-tempered and patience level basically zero, there's no margin for error, stuck up, treat people horribly, their surrounding is basically the same. I'm a firm believer in running away from a bad environment. Firm believer in that because I am living proof of that, running away from a bad environment. And when these individuals, these one percenters, move to a place like Thailand, first of all, they're nobodies. Nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows who this individual is that just sold his company for $100 million. Nobody knows this person that is, you know, some minor celebrity in L.A. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. So they come here fresh and clean. Nobody knows who they are. They can start fresh. Then in addition to that is they don't have the stress of having to put on that image that everyone expects them to be. That means putting on that $5,000 Tom Ford suit, you know, and that $50,000 watch, 
rolling up you know, $350,000 McLaren. Nobody cares about that because nobody knows who you are. Instead, these millionaires are here dressed in flip-flops, elephant pants, and tank top, and they're happy as a clam. They got to meet people, new individuals, uh, local ties. We have a fantastic expat community here filled with lots of intelligent and lots of well-traveled people. I met some of the most interesting expats here in Thailand. So they have a new set of friends. And that just made them happier. Thailand transforms you into a better person. There is no question. And a better person in so many ways. Not just mentally makes you a better person because you learn to appreciate the little things. One of the things that I always recommend uh, my clients is I like to take them uh, to an orphanage. I like them to spend some time in an orphanage here in Thailand. Show them what normally would be a night out for them, you know, whether it's spending three to four thousand dollars, that that money given to an orphanage could literally feed all the orphans for literally three to six months. Oh, I'm sorry. Three to six weeks. I apologize. Not three to six months, three to six weeks. I mean, the money goes so much further here. And they're, and they're very appreciative. You learn to be more centered. You learn to understand and appreciate the little things and appreciate people, not treating them like things, but truly treating them as human beings. And then in addition to that is you become healthier here. So another thing too that's very shocking is the amount of individuals that are very successful, but they're also very unhealthy. They're physically obese, they're overweight, they don't exercise, they have high blood pressure, they drink a lot, they do drugs, they're doing coke or X or something to either hide their shame, to escape reality or escape who they are because they don't like themselves, they don't like what they created, they don't like their environment. Well, here in Thailand, people change those bad habits tend to disappear. Because first of all, if you're caught with any type of drugs, you're going to get thrown into Bangkok Hilton, one of the worst prisons in the world. It's not called the Bangkok Hilton, but that's an inside joke. It's one of the worst prisons in the world. You never, ever want to be caught with drugs or handgun or anything like that in Thailand because you'll be thrown in these prisons. And if you want to see what a prison's like, watch a, a, an excellent show. It's a movie called A Prayer Before Dawn. And it's basically a real-life account of an individual from UK that's a Muay Thai fighter that came to Thailand and basically got into the drug scene, got caught with drugs, got caught with a handgun, and got thrown in, in prison. And you just see how truly brutal it is from people being raped to the conditions. It's just horrible. So that's a huge deterrent. You don't want to do drugs here. You don't want to do anything bad here. So you spend a lot of time improving yourself every single day. I don't own a car. Yes, my wife has a car, but we don't use that as much. Every day on my Apple Watch, I walk roughly between three to five miles. That's in addition to working out. I'm healthier here. When I go back to the States a little bit for meetings or to, or to see my family, 
I gain more weight because the food in America is horrible. Or the food here is always made to order. The portions are smaller. I'm walking more. I have a gorgeous gym in my community. I also belong to Muay Thai. And I do Muay Thai training because it's so inexpensive. And I get massages. I can get a massage every single day if I want. I've done that, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit too much. I get massages three times a week for one to two hours. An hour massage ranges from $7 to $15 an hour. So Thailand is different for anyone because I don't have these type of conveniences in Latin America. In Latin America, there aren't Muay Thai gyms in every single corner. I, I love martial arts. That's a necessity for me. Another necessity is I want to have world-class gyms. I'm talking Equinox and Lifetime Fitness style gyms that are super nice. They have them here. We have Virgin, Virgin Active, and then we have our versions of Equinox from like We Fitness Society to Fitness First that are located all over throughout major cities. In addition to that is I also want the conveniences of spa treatments. You know, having a spa treatment in, in Costa Rica isn't as cheap as you actually think it is. Where here, I get it for seven to $15 an hour. Where in Costa Rica, you're talking between $30 to $60 an hour. So it's not quite as cheap. And you're probably asking yourself, you're like, well, Will, I have a lot of money. I have millions. So why do I need to worry about that kind of stuff? You don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. But what I'm trying to say is you have, you have more accessibility to these modern conveniences than really any other country out there. That's really what I'm trying to say. So the difference is Latin America is for the individual, the, the introverted individual that doesn't want to be around anyone, that wants total privacy and total seclusion, that doesn't mind being a small little city, doesn't care that there's no movie theaters, doesn't, doesn't mind eating the same things and seeing the same people every day. Those people are truly far and few between. Because when you listen to my first podcast, I would say almost 100% of clients in the past that have purchased in remote areas in Latin America eventually sell their home. Well, actually, they don't sell their home because they never sells because there's not markets for homes in those areas. And they eventually move back to the city or they actually move back to the States. So I want to offer you a different alternative. I want to shed light on Thailand. I want to educate you on why Thailand is such a fantastic country for you to thrive and truly live your retirement years, not being bored and not just figuring out, oh my God, I should go back to work. You know, I said earlier about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett says it best. He said, the true measure of success isn't how much money that you have. And again, I'm not verbatim quoting him. I'm just summarizing what he said. Because he also said, you know, I know people that have more money than God. And they're just miserable individuals. Miserable people that you just really don't want to be around. But what... 
true, what truly distinguishes, or should I say, uh, a mark or a sign of living a successful life is not the material stuff that you accrued, not the how much cash you have in a bank, but how many people actually love you. It's that simple, and it's so true. You know, when you, uh, I, I, I read a lot. I read roughly three to four to maybe five hours a day. I, I read about everything. Psychology, astrophysics, politics, sales, marketing, history, astronomy, everything. I love to read. And one of the interesting articles I read was how individuals, when, you know, when you're in your deathbed, one of the biggest requests is finding out who loved them and apologizing for all the mistakes they did. They're like scrambling and looking for people that they want to apologize because they want to die with someone who loves them next to them. And they have so much guilt that's built up. So you have to think about this, is that right now you're successful in just one realm and one part of your life. You've accrued a massive amount of wealth. You have a lot of material things. You have a lot of cash in the bank. The question is, is your marriage going sideways? Do your children respect you? Are your children in and out of rehab? Are you in and out of rehab? Are you happy? If you're not, or even if you are, look at coming to Thailand because it will change your life. It truly will change your life. First of all, it's different. You know, there's, there's a lot of individuals that, uh, you know, they retire in Latin America and get in the same bad habit. They'll come to Latin America and they'll still be coked out of their mind, drink like a fish every single day, get drunk every single day, just do all the bad things they did in the States. They'll duplicate that. Obviously, you can do the same exact thing in Thailand, but it's a little bit harder. But the thing is, instead of being in a beach community where there's nothing to do, then to find a local drug dealer to supply you with drugs or to find a local pimp that's going to supply you with hookers, is that you're going to immerse yourself in a place like Thailand, whether it's in Bangkok or some of these beautiful beach cities with lots of great things to do. Food scene. Getting healthy, mind and spirit. Going to a temple and meditating for a week. Exploring the different parts of Thailand. It's so diverse from Bangkok to down south to the beach cities and the islands and then going up north to Isan region to Chiang Mai. And then that's just scratching the surface. Now you can explore places like India, Sri Lanka, our neighboring countries, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Vietnam. You want to go to Bali? It's an hour and a half to two hour flight. Indonesia, Malaysia right there. Singapore right there. This region has so much to offer and will fill you up with so many things to do and so many wonderful experiences that you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. You don't have time to be mad at yourself or be mad at anyone anymore. And here's another thing too. 
my brother, said something that was one of the most profound things that anyone's ever said to me. Uh, my brother was hit by a drunk driver. Uh, he was a freshman in college. And uh, it was a very devastating time. Uh, he had traumatic brain injury. Uh, he was riddled with these grandma seizures that got worse and worse and worse. He had short-term memory loss. And my brother was studying to be pre-med. He was going to be a med... He was, he's, I was a black sheep of the family. I was the one who always got Ds. And my brother was always the one who got As. So he was either going to follow my dad's footsteps and become, a, become an attorney. He would be a litigator. Or he was going to be a doctor. I was thinking that he was going to gravitate more to being the doctor. Just a brilliant individual. Charming. Nice. Athletically superior than me. <laughs> in every way. My brother was my best friend. And uh, he said something to me very interesting. He said, Will. He said, you know, you're very lucky. And I said, well. Why do you say that? He said, you're very lucky because you can remember what you did yesterday. You can remember what we did last weekend or the last trip that we had where he can't. That all the wonderful things that we've done as a family or that you've done for me or mom and dad or being around my friends, I can't remember them. My last memory is, is in high school, and that was 15, 20 years ago. I, I can't remember the exact time when he said this to me. And I, and I kind of sat back, and I'm like, I didn't really see life as that simple. Can life really be that simple? And it actually is. Is that everyone is seeking a purpose in life and seeking what is the true answer to life. And I'm not going to get religious on anyone is I truly believe, based on what my brother has told me, that one of the key things in life is about accruing as many wonderful and heart-filling experiences in your lifetime. That's going to resonate with you forever. That's going to change you as a better human being. That when you close your eyes and you think about that experience, you just can't help but to smile. And my brother, it hurt when he said that. I was actually kind of shocked because he's right. Because we've had so many wonderful memories and he can't remember them because of his short-term memory loss, his, his brain injury. And he would, he would say, we would sit there in our backyard. We have a glass of wine. And we would talk about the good old days. Because the good old days for my brother was when we were in junior high and elementary school. He kind of remembers high, high school a little bit, but it's fuzzy. We would talk about fishing in Mexico or our home in Guam or Hawaii, going to Taiwan to visit relatives or to Japan, uh, going to Europe, uh, you know, just fun things that we did as a child. He said, hey, hey, Will, you remember when we went to... Because we grew up when we were young, we grew up in Tucson. He's like, hey, remember going to Mount Lemon and we would go fishing? Uh, and, we, you know, remember that time when, when you caught that little tiny trout? I'm like, yeah, I do. That was the very first trout we ever caught. And he remembers that and he savors that moment. I would just look at his eyes. He would take a deep breath. He would close his eyes and he just savors 
in that memory. And it just brought joy to him. So life, if you've lived your first half of your life being absolutely miserable, working your butt off, sacrificing, accruing this wealth, this fortune, this empire, now is the time for you to enjoy it. And now is the time to enjoy it in a different country, in a place here like in Asia, that's going to give you the adventure, the excitement, and help get you those new memories with you and your family, and develop those new memories. Because it's a whole new world here, and I guarantee you, you're going to find and you're going to do some amazing things that's going to stay with you forever. And it will change you for the best. I was a very, very young and angry, angry individual. Coming to Thailand and meeting my wife has changed me for the best. I'm calmer. I'm more compassionate. Because the Thai people are compassionate. Thailand is a very, very religious country. They believe in, they believe in bad juju. So don't, you, know, you don't do bad things to others because bad things will happen to you. That's what I love about this country. This country brings a smile to my face every single day. And I want to share that with you. I want to help you realize that going to another Latin beach community or in Europe, we'll say that for another podcast, is not going to be any different than who you are today. Latin America didn't change me for the best. Didn't do anything. Coming here to Thailand has changed me for the best. And I've seen it with other individuals. So I hope this episode really helped out. And I, and I hope that it's, it's giving you the excitement to research more about Thailand. To talk to us about with your husband, your wife, and your children. Because it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, Thailand is a country that's for everyone. When you look at places like, and these are beautiful places like Belize, Roatan, Bahamas, Caribbean, you know, those type of communities really are filled with just a whole bunch of other old people. But when you come here to Thailand, the kids love it because whether you're young, you're a millennial, you're in your 30s, 40s, or you're, you're a Gen X or you're a baby boomer. There's everything here to make you happy, to fulfill all your needs. So before you press that button and before you take another step thinking that that vacation spot that you've been going to for the last 10 to 20 years in Cabo, maybe you want to buy there now. I urge you not to. Or that place in the Dominican Republic or in Costa Rica or even buying a second home in Hawaii. It's like, why do that? Stop. Stop for a minute and take a look at Thailand because what you're going to find is going to really spark this curiosity and then once you come here, and my team and I 
truly show you what it's like to live here as a local, as an expat with the beautiful buildings. I mean, we have our versions of beautiful penthouses and beautiful buildings like Manor Oriental and you know, Ritz-Carlton. We have our versions of our developers that also, we have those here too, but we also have developers that build very high-end luxury living. And we have great relationships with those developers. Or if you want to buy and or you want to buy a beach home that's right on the beach. That's one of the great things about Thailand. You can own homes just like in Newport Beach, just like in Malibu, just like in South Bay, right there, right on the sand. Your backyard is the beach. You can own that here. And those homes are available. So thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, this, you know, I, I love doing these podcasts because I hope you can tell my voice how passionate I am. I, I want everyone to come here. I, I keep telling them with that. It's like, move, come here, be my neighbor. Because I just want to share this place with you. I want to take you to this amazing place that my wife and I go to. That's a little hole in a wall that's been owned by the same family for the last 50 years. And they make some of the best beef curry there is. Or go to this other seafood restaurant that you are going to be a minority because there's no foreigners here. And you're going to have some of the best seafood that is there is at a fraction of the price. Just because you're worth millions doesn't mean you have to piss it away. It's about finding that authentic experience. And again, I truly believe what my brother said. The key to life is accruing as many wonderful and heartfelt experiences that's going to stay with you forever. So thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you soon.